You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 249, Sue Donaldson and the Welcoming Heart of God. We're glad you're here, friends. But first, a message from our sponsors. The event of the year for Christian business owners is just around the corner. Handprint Legacy Live 2021 is virtual this year, which makes it super easy to attend from anywhere in the world without makeup, long flights, or expensive hotel rooms. Thursday through Saturday, June 24 to 26, we'll spend three powerful days mapping out your first or next most important steps for your business. I'm Katie Horner. My husband and I have grown from full-time ministry in Mexico to full-time international business owners by understanding and solving the countless marketing challenges faced by Christian entrepreneurs. We created the Handprint Legacy Live event as a safe haven where small business owners, teachers, authors, and coaches strategize, implement, and grow their business. This event is highly interactive and tickets are limited. Grab yours today before we sell out because three days of Bible-based fun and marketing instruction is going to leave you with your next marketing funnel all mapped out. Register now for the 2021 event at handprintlegacylive.com. Friends, if you're interested in Katie's conference, Handprint Legacy Live 2021, use just go to ericnevins.com slash handprint uh, for your access to that event. That is a special affiliate link that I, that she gave me to use. If you do, then that she sends a little bit back toward in my direction. So again, ericnevins.com slash handprint, ericnevins.com slash handprint. Thanks a lot. Let's get this show started. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm so excited that you are here. This is going to be a really special episode, I know, and I know it's going to really bless you. Uh, friends, if you are a regular listener to the show, did you know that we have a Patreon? Patreon allows you to just donate to help keep the show running, even if it's a small amount. I know things are weird out there. Uh, but if you can and you'd like to, we'd love to have you do that. Just go to halfwaythereapodcast.com, hit that Patreon button, and allow you to uh, support the show, even a few bucks a month. Or if you want a, a, a cool Halfway There t-shirt, I'll send you one of those as well at the higher levels. Um, would love to have you have you on board for that. Well, today our guest, I'm excited to, to share her with you because... Uh, she's become one of my podcasting friends. So she's a podcaster. She's an author and a speaker. Our guest is Sue Donaldson. Sue, welcome to Halfway There. Thanks so much, Eric. You are terrific. And I love the way you talk. You should be a radio announcer. I, yeah, right. I should be yeah. doing yeah, something should. with audio, maybe. Yeah, I wish I did that. Central. So professional and fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's the idea. Well, uh, thanks for saying that. So Sue mm-hmm. um, gave uh, you know broad strokes. I know that you, you are not... Uh, you know, speaking or other, you're getting back to speaking, right? That's kind of your main, main thing, which is exciting. But tell us about you and your ministry and where God has you. Uh, Well, my main joy is uh, speaking at Christian women's events, which have been cut back quite a bit this past year, of course, Uh, but they're beginning to pick up. And that's whenever I speak, I go, wow, Lord, that was really fun. It's like, I forget how how great the joy is when he's giving you something. I mean, I'm not the best in the world, but I do know it's a gift. And so 
uh, when I get to do God's gift, it's not a drag. It's not a drag. I mean, there's draggy parts where you have to sit still and study, but the actual going out and doing that sort of thing is wonderful. So I speak, I write, I blog, and now I podcast. So that's in a nutshell. Yeah. And who are you serving primarily? I would say I'm serving women probably uh, 30 to 60, that age group. So uh, women's events and uh, workshops. And actually, I have a lot of younger women in my life just because I have three daughters. So that's kind of fun. It's cool. And I like to do a lot of hospitality and get people to talk about things that are that matter, you know, not just about where they got their COVID job, but uh, (laughs) but actually something that counts, like how are they living a life that matters? Yes. Okay. And that's the name of your show, right? Is Make yes. It Count. Living. Oh, I forgot to tell you that. My yeah. podcast is called Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, uh, because it's all about uh, building into eternity, not just living for the here and now, though what we do in the here and now does last for eternity when we're doing it the right way, the way God wants us to live. My blog or my uh, website is welcomeheart.com. And I have four books and a fifth on the way. I love that. Okay. Very good. You know, I've reached the stage where my friends, when they say on the way, they're talking about books, not kids anymore. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, praise uh, the Lord. That's a book and not a <laughs> Amen. Amen. Okay. So I want to hear more of your story. We'll go back and okay. just kind of dig into that. I know you're in California now. Are you a California kid? Did you grow up out there? I grew up in Southern California, about a mile from the beach. Uh, Palos Verdes, it's by Long Beach, if you know the Southern California. Oh, yeah, a little uh, bit. Yeah, a couple hours north of San Diego. And But I was born in Milwaukee. My dad lost his job when I was three, and he got a job in Culver City. So out we came. Gotcha. So I was raised in Southern California, kind of isolated. PV is kind of an uppity place. We didn't know that when we moved in there. But, um, you know, good education, no smog, things like that. So, and a great little church. There was no evangelical church on the hill. We call it the hill. Uh when I was raised. So we had to go to the next town. Oh, interesting. So you Christian family then Christian family then. Yeah. Praise God for that. Um, yeah. Uh, and a good little youth group. It was a small Baptist church and I was more myself at church. I think than I was at school. I felt a little intimidated by the wealth. We were surrounded by wealth Mm. and we were not wealthy. Like we did our own chores. We didn't have a maid, but, um, (laughs) But you know, that's part of the insecurity of junior high and high school. Yeah. And then you just, you grow up and you're a senior and you go, oh, I don't care what people think. And that's just part of growing up. So that's a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. And a mile from the beach, were you a surfer where you're like, uh, we just go to the beach all the time? <laughs> I'm a redhead. I know you can't tell that. Oh, so you podcast. don't go. Yeah. No, but, um, you know, we, we did our fireworks there and the, and the cliffs there and we went to the beach a lot and my junior high was on the cliff so for pe if it was hot we'd walk down to the water so it was kind of cool oh i like that i'm Mm -hmm. i like the beach so much it's such a i grew up in iowa so you know like a real beach is like it's 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 a whole different world well i currently live seven minutes from the beach on the central coast so it's a little colder up here san luis obispo so you're always welcome to come we have an extra we have spare room you and your wife come on out all right well, maybe one day I'll have to take you up on that. Um, cool. So Christian family, did you, how did your faith become your own? Like what was there, was it just always there or how'd you get to know the Lord personally? Uh, God in his grace, um, 
our youth group was going on this little mission trip to work with the Native Americans, I think, in Arizona, New Mexico. And we were told we had to meet with the deacon board. And I thought, wow, I, I probably should have a life verse. Somehow I'd heard that expression, I have a life <laughs> verse. And so I was so mature that I just sort of opened my Bible and pointed. And God gave me this beautiful verse in 2 Corinthians 5.15, which of course I can't remember at the moment. But the whole idea is that Christ died for us so that we should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again. Oh, I did remember it. And so I read that verse to the deacons, as I recall, scared to death. And then I thought, that just makes so much darn sense. Christ died for me, therefore I give my life for him. To me, it just, it was, it was logical. And Eric, I swear, I'm not a logical person. I was an English major. <laughs> yeah. But that bit of logic lodged in my mind and in my heart where I thought right then at 15, oh, Christ gave all, therefore Sue gives all. And I remember walking with my mom one evening after dinner and I said, mom, I, I don't mind being a missionary because we had a lot of missionaries stay in our home and uh, come to our church, but I am afraid of snakes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and I'd never seen one, you know, and so later when I did go to the mission field, I did have three brief encounters with snakes, but we don't have to skip that far ahead if you don't want to. Yeah, that, no, that's fascinating. Okay. I want, I do want to hear those stories later, but okay. So, so you, that was high school. So in high school, you gave your life to Christ sort of a, maybe officially, even though you were already kind of going, going to church and believing what, mm -hmm. okay. So how did that, how'd you grow from there? You, you already thought you wanted to be a missionary. How'd that develop? Well, I went to a small Baptist college and I loved it so much. But one day, I think it was my sophomore year, I woke up and I thought, I wonder if this is all really true. I actually oh, yeah. doubted everything. And I didn't tell anybody because it scared me. I felt a little bit like I was losing my mind. Um, Wait, say more I, about that because that's really important. I, I'm an ENFP on the Myers-Briggs. Oh, this is why we get along. So am I, by the way. Oh, wonderful. I knew I'd like to. Um, and the core need, which I discovered later because I became certified in the Myers-Briggs, the core need of an NF is to be authentic. And because genuine. So because I no longer felt genuine, because I felt like maybe I had been given a lie or was living a lie, I felt a little off balance, actually. I would say it was, I was scared to tell people. Not that people would cast me aside, but you're still a little insecure. What, I was 19, 20. Yeah. And so I remember telling my best friend, because I had to tell someone because I'm an extrovert, <laughs> And she started doubting. So then I thought, oh, no, I can't start telling everybody because I'll have this mass exodus from this little school. They couldn't afford it. So that went on for about six months. And should I tell you the story? About yeah, what happened? no, that's great. Okay. I, I, what I'm, I'm sort of chuckling about the fact that you were like, <laughs> well, I can't tell everybody because I'll mess up the school's budget, right? Like, that, like that's what you're concerned about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Actually, I just felt terrible. But at the same time, Eric, I started singing and we had a, what we call a gospel team. And, you know, you sing in these churches and you try to get high school kids to come to your college. And so you're actually a representative, not only of the school, but of course of Jesus. 
And I um, was sent to a bunch of camps with my group in Washington, the state of Washington that summer. And uh, I remember singing about the Lord and testifying. That's when I started public speaking, really, was giving testimonies. And then oh, wow. going up into the hills afterwards by myself, looking at the stars and crying, really, sometimes because I was so frustrated. And, I go, and talking to God that I didn't, wasn't sure existed. And, but, Eric, the cool thing was I was from L.A., so we didn't really get a lot of stars except for the Hollywood variety. And <laughs> in Washington, you could see the stars. And I thought to myself, I feel like I kind of recall even lifting my hand and I'm not a hand raiser um, and saying, God, I feel like my faith is hanging on by a star. Like I cannot not believe that you created the stars because that is just too big for all the explanations of science. And even though I only passed notes in science, I knew that <laughs> science was a big topic and God was in charge of that. And I really could not dismiss the fact that he was a creator God. Beyond that, I didn't have any assurance at that point, all summer long. Now, about halfway through the summer, though, I took a walk with this older, wiser lady whom I did not know that well. But this is the point from this. Um, yeah. I felt like I could really share with her because she was not a judgmental type of person. She was a gentle, wise soul. But I don't know if you get this way, but sometimes when you talk about something so close to your heart, your throat gets a little clogged up and you think if you say the words, you're going to start crying and then you're going to be embarrassed, which is stupid because no one really cares that you're crying. Yeah. You know, but at the time you're going, I don't want to cry. I don't want to cry. I don't want to cry. So I just said to her, Mrs. Duncan, I have doubts. That's all I said. And I didn't even look at her because we were walking side by side, which is also cool. And it was dark and it was still Washington. And she gave the most magical response in the world. And the reason it's magical is because I'd never heard it before in the, my whole Christian experience. She said this, and it worked wonders in me. She said, very lightly. Oh, Sue, everyone doubts. Eric, I have never, ever. <laughs> people talk about it now. They didn't talk about it then. I'm old, you know. They yeah. did not talk about doubts. And I thought, why don't they have a guy come or a woman or somebody come into chapel and talk about doubts? Are they afraid of it? Yep. I didn't think, I really didn't think in those terms. All I knew was I had never heard that statement. Everyone doubts. Well, now I know I've talked to friends. They go, oh, no, I never went through a doubting period. I know that's not 100% true. Yeah. But it was, it was what I needed to hear, you know? So that kind of helped me. Then in the fall, <clears throat> I was walking with my favorite professor. He has no recollection of this story. And I stopped and we were walking from one class to another, but we were outside. And I said, Mr. Hills, same thing. My throat all clogged up. My, uh, I have doubts like that same thing and he goes well sue you know english professors they can be like wandering out you're never <laughs> quite sure where they're going to land and he said if god was not big enough for our questions i guess he's not a big enough god oh wow and then he just kept walking and he has no recollection now since then he teaches at another christian school up in oregon and i got to teach in their uh speak in their chapel and I wanted to because he was sitting in the audience. And I wanted those college kids to hear what I had not 
had the privilege of hearing, which is, it's okay to doubt. Sometimes you do. God is big enough for your questions. I mean, I knew that because I read the Psalms. I knew God could handle my questions, but I was sick of having the questions. And um, God, if God wasn't big enough for my questions, then he wasn't a big enough God, Eric. Does that make sense to you? Totally. Absolutely. So, all right. What I love about that, there's two things. First of all, you know, I love that you had this sort of season of kind of questioning your faith and questioning God and, and trying to wrestle with that. Cause I think it's so important. You're right. We don't talk about it enough. Now it's kind of becoming a big thing with the whole deconstruction movement. But before that, it wasn't really discussed a lot. And, and it, you know, it was like, Oh, if you're going to be faithful, you just got to believe everything. However, they tell you to believe it. Um, But that's not exactly it. Right. And you're right. God is big enough for that. And uh, I think honestly, this is why I go back to Habakkuk all the time because Habakkuk has problems, right? He's got, Hey God, I don't like this. What's up with that? And he teaches us how to go and sit with God and wait for God to speak to us and, and handle those things. Uh, in fact, I think the whole of the Psalms, you know, or is God teaching us how to do that, right? Is how to, how to take all those problems and doubts and frustrations to him. The other thing I love is the people in your life that you remember yeah. who who were able to say something to you, you know, that that really that really kind of spurred you on a little bit. Sounds like sounds like they uh you know, maybe would you say that they changed your trajectory a little bit? Like they kind of kind of straightened the straightened the path a bit or they or they just sort of gave you permission to be where you were. Well, both, of course. Yeah. But what God used them for mainly was comfort. I needed comfort. Oh, yeah. Because I was going crazy. Right. You know, I was a split personality. And uh, there was part of me that totally believed in God's word and loved what I was doing, loved what I was learning, loved my little tiny school. And the other part was this: these voices of maybe this is, this is tomfoolery and you've been deceived. Yeah. So what happened in the fall then? I don't know who was speaking, maybe even the president, Dr. Duncan. He just quoted a very familiar verse. And of course it was King James because that's what it was back then. But I think it's in Romans where it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it's like I, my spirit stood up and thought, oh, that's a formula. Now I'm not a math. I hate math. You know, I love Jesus. I hate math. <laughs> but um, that I needed a formula. And I know God doesn't always give us formulas, but I was desperate. And it said, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so I just started reading my Bible. Now, it's not like I hadn't been reading my Bible, but I was reading intentionally. I would say what you were saying about Habakkuk. I was really seeking him. And even though I didn't understand everything I read, I read probably an hour a day, plus all the homework you have in it. And yeah, and I would say over a period halfway through my junior year, then I gradually, not one day, everything was right. Gradually I go, Oh, I do believe God has answered my doubts. And this is why I went through it. A couple of reasons. One is I learned it wasn't my parents' faith. It was my faith. Right. I never told my parents though. Well, they know now because they're in heaven and they can hear me. I don't know actually how that works, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to get into that kind of a discussion, but I didn't tell them. I was probably thought they would worry about me too much. And, but later I ended up teaching at a Christian high school for eight years. 
I always gave this story why I wanted these high school kids, some of which had been in Christian school since preschool. So all they've been surrounded, cocooned with the truth, but they were about ready to embark on Mm -hmm. life. And I wanted them to say, hey, this is what I went through. If you have any questions, come and talk to me. So I know God used it for that. Yeah, that's well. Okay. So just to highlight that, I love the way that uh, hi, that you use your experience, right. To kind of help others with those kinds of experiences. I think that's super smart of you. Okay. So it kind of resolved slowly for you. It sound, sounded like mm-hmm. where, where'd you go from there when you, when you left college and what, uh, what kind of events kind of shaped your faith? Well, when I was in college, um, I, again, knew that I wanted to serve God full time because I'd said that, you know, I'd seen that verse back when I was 15. And I thought, well, I guess I'll be, um, I didn't, I didn't want to be a woman pastor. It's not my tradition. And so, but I knew I could teach and I thought, well, I'll teach uh, high school students on the field. Like I'll teach missionary kids. And then I found out that they didn't want me until I taught school in the States. And they're so smart that way because teaching is really hard. And when you're a new green teacher, you need practice to become a better teacher. But backing up, I would go on these trips, these mission trips and stuff, but I would struggle with it because I didn't really want to be single. I wouldn't mind going to the mission field and even having snakes if I was married. (laughs) <laughs> but um, I would argue with God. I remember I was walking around this track at this junior high in Weiwei Tanango in Guatemala. And I thought, oh, I argued with God. I said, now, look, my own father doesn't want me single. So surely you as my heavenly father doesn't want me single. You know, maybe someone else is made to be single. But I hated, well, I didn't really care for First Corinthians 7. And Paul, you know, had his own thing going, being single. But I didn't want to be single. I mean, I'd gone over this over and over. And yes, I had boyfriends, et cetera. But nothing seemed to pan out. So really, my biggest struggle then for, for those 10 years was, okay, I told God I would, I would give him my life. That means I give him my life. I don't give him the rules of how my life's going to be. And that, I think, set me for the rest of my life because marriage is hard. So right. <laughs> once you get married, it's like, oh, that's right. I need God just as much married as I'm <laughs> single. Bless his heart. My husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't get married till I was 35. So um, my mother had sort of given up. I had given it up many times. Uh, because back then they didn't have dating sites and I didn't drink. So I didn't go to bars at, <laughs> to meet people, you know, and I would go to a bigger church to find guys, but I didn't feel comfortable. Uh, I liked my home church. You know, they were my family. Can you imagine, get, can you imagine what these poor people have to deal with, with dating sites today? Like every time I hear people talk kids. about that, yeah. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That is ridiculous. So yeah, you might it's be glad painful. you didn't have those. Okay. So you, so yeah, t- say a, a decade or so where you were, were kind of, uh, you know, just wrestling with that. I'm, I'm sorry. What, what were you doing during that time? Were you teaching during that okay, time? Okay. I taught high school for four years. And when, um, uh, because I'm an ENFP, I like a lot of variety. And so after a couple of years of teaching Shakespeare, et cetera, I got bored. So 
I started discipling my former students. So they were now juniors. I taught them as freshmen. And so I didn't know what I was doing. I just picked three girls I liked. And <laughs> we just started making personal goals and spiritual goals. And it was great fun. And I'm still in touch with some of those gals on Facebook. And, um, and then I taught them how to teach freshmen. So I told the Lord, I was so excited then. I said, Lord, I'll keep teaching forever if I can keep discipling. Back then we called it discipling. Now we call it mentoring. But I wrote a book yeah. on it just a year or two ago based, based on those experiences and then what God has provided since then. And then I remember going to Wycliffe. I loved Wycliffe Bible Translators, that mission group, because they don't have a certain denomination in mind. They just bring the word. You know, they give the, they give the people uh, an alphabet because they, they don't have they don't have a written language. And so it's really a head linguistic uh, scientific organization. But they uh, give enough of the language where they translate the New Testament and then they leave and let, they let the Holy Spirit work through that. So I love that whole thing. Plus, my brother was with them. So I um, went and asked them. I said, hey, I, I'd like to come and teach school for you. Um, uh, but I'm going to Europe this summer for 10 weeks with two girlfriends and backpacks. And if I'm not married by the end of the summer, I'd like to join. The field. <laughs> and this guy was so great. He just goes, do you want to digress and talk about marriage right now? Or do you want to just talk about this job? And so he was such, he was like a spiritual father too. I talk about good people in your life. Yeah. And, and uh, I went off to Europe with girlfriends, didn't get married. Of course, I didn't know anybody. And then, um, taught one more year and he he came and watched me teach and he said I think you should teach they had five openings I went to Escola Americana de Brasilia which was an international school it wasn't a Christian school and I taught there for two years in the capital of Brazil so that was fabulous but also challenging yeah interesting did that challenge your faith at all did it did oh yeah, in, in different ways, in different ways, not in doubting ways, but in strengthening ways, because mm -hmm. you don't know anybody. You have to make friends all over again. Uh, they had a interesting church, and it, I really feel God. I love being around non Christians, so that part was great. Um, and my mentoring really was working with more of the ambassador military kids more than the missionary kids, because they didn't have parents who necessarily knew the Lord, you know. So I would meet with them, and then I got in trouble meeting with them on campus. I had to go across the street. So there was some personal attack, which was, oh, it's always good for a Christian to get attacked for being a Christian. So um, yeah, so that was terrific. It was a long time ago, Eric, but it was terrific. You know, it was a blessing to be there. And the Brazilians are terrific too. So, you were, so how long were you down there? I was there two years. Okay. And the cool thing was my, my school kept my job for me. So I came back Again, I was a little tired of teaching English and I started a master's degree in counseling and they let me be the ninth grade girls counselor and I started a master's and that's when I got trained in the Myers-Briggs. Ah. Um, but I figured out counseling was not for me, Eric, because I get too involved emotionally. I can't handle people's mental yeah. health. I was going to ask about that yeah. because that's... So I, yeah, it'd be hard for you too. So I switched right. to... Um, human resource development, which was terrific out of the ZUSA. And they, let me tell you a little advertisement, they would take the coursework to the field for missionaries. So they could get two, like 12 units or whatever. In two weeks, you take the, the, the teachers would go to the mission field. You just take core classes every day, and then you have a year to do the homework. So even wow. when I was in the States, I went to Costa Rica and took courses there because it was cheaper and quicker. But by the time I got married, I still had another year's worth to do, but I just finished it 
you know, nursing the baby, writing my papers. Yeah, so yeah. I have a master's degree. I don't remember what it's in, but it, I'm glad I completed it. <laughs> You're like, well, I got one. Oh, That's the spirit. Me too. Uh, okay. So, so you said you eventually got married. Is Was yeah. that a big, I mean, it's a big deal, but like, was that like a, you know, this is a miracle. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's an absolute miracle. Yeah. Cause I met him. He moved in with my current boyfriend's house. He was a housemate. Oh, wow. Who kept breaking up with me. And so I met him and he <laughs> fell from me, but I still like the other one. And both their names were Mark. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And both went to seminary, but, um, so it was a mess. I don't want to talk about that with you. I talk about the girls, but it was, <laughs> no, kind you of don't a have mess. to, it's okay. We don't. And, and then Mark, the one I married proposed and I said, no. And then three years later I said, yes. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, not a good example. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, so- <laughs> That's crazy because it was like, do you want to get married or not? Like, I, he's what a what a good guy to, yeah, to but you ask don't again. Just marry, you don't just marry just to get married. You have to be sure. That's what I tell young girls. I okay. said, if you're not sure about clothing, like when you're shopping, oh, should I buy this or not? If you're not sure, it's the Holy Spirit saying no. Because even God says, yeah, you're yes for yes and you're no be no. And I wasn't sure about that mark, but I also wasn't sure about the other mark. So I ended up just being single for three more years. That's and then fair. the other mark called me and I said, you're still around hmm. that. Yes. So I've read a, a book about coaching, about getting co- people to become your you know, coaching client. And they said the same thing. I said, it's either a heck yes or a no, right? If it's not a yes, I'm in mm-hmm. it's, and that's probably good advice for marriage. I think, cause... well, let me tell you why I chose him or actually he chose me of course, but why I said yes, <clears throat> it's because he told me finally, he said, not finally, but he told me one night, He said, you don't have to do anything or be anything different or more for me to love you more. Wow. And see, I had always kind of finagled the relationships, tried to, you know, control women like to do that ever since Eve and try to make things work and they never worked. So I had totally backed off. He came in and said, I just love you the way you are. It's kind of like Christ loves us as is. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I thought, hmm, hmm, that's what I thought. I go, wow, he really is illustrating the whole pattern of marriage just by that one statement. And he, like, is an introvert. He's a scientist brain. How did he come up with those words? They must have been from the Lord. I have to remind him every once in a while. That's why, you know, he loves me as is. <laughs> you know, like, I, you know, I wanted to get more dental work done. And I go, honey, for better, or for worse. That's the way it is. Too bad. And, um, <laughs> But that's why I said yes, really kind of on faith. Yeah. But it's kind of cool. You know, 33 years later, it's it's worked. Yeah. Boy, I love that. See, that's such a good picture. I'm glad you shared that. Okay. So where is it? Tell us, were there any other, you know, I normally ask in, right, about, right about here about your dark night of the soul, but you kind of had it in college. So where did that take you? And how did you discover more of who you're, who you were like, were there any other ways that you had to mm. unlearn some things and then kind of push into more of who God was telling you that you were? Oh, totally. Especially when you've been single so long, you become your own person as a woman. You need to depend on yourself, make your own money, get your insurance, things like that. And then I get married and I think a woman naturally uh, begins to depend on the man, which is good. 
but I, my husband's a physician. And so I remember him getting um, a call where he had to leave and not go to church with me. And I said, wait a minute. All the books say that a Christian husband, you put God first and the woman second. I said, I didn't get married to go to church by myself. I mean, I was kind of nasty. And he said, <laughs> if I don't answer the phone call, people die. Well, I think it's a little dramatic, you know, but he's kind of true. If he doesn't answer the phone, people die. It's a little different than my dad being an engineer. Okay, great. Right, yeah. But what yeah. I laughed at myself because I thought, oh, I have been teaching for years that God is your rock and your salvation and you can depend on him. But as soon as I get married, I start over depending on someone who's just frail. He's a human being. Yeah. So I had to kind of rewire my thought process. And it, you know, the first five years were not easy. You know, I wanted a, a when I told people I was getting married, I said, Oh my gosh, Mark Donaldson, a cross between Jesus and Prince Charming. Well, he wasn't after about a week. And so <laughs> I I had to readjust. Bless his heart. I go, I tell people, oh, it was kind of a struggle the first five years. And he'll look blankly at me because it wasn't for him, but it was oh. for me. That's because he's so easygoing. Oh, bless his heart. And uh, But he's changed too through the years. So that was a rewiring. Another rewiring or, or reworking really was I had worked in full-time Christian ministry and then I got married and then I had nothing. I had no job. Yeah. I moved to a new town. I knew one person and I was bored. And, um, and even when I had a child, I, I thought, okay, now what else, what else is there? And, uh, so thankfully my husband goes, well, why don't you ask the director of women's ministries if there's something you could do? And I ended up taking her place for three months when she had surgery. And then she started asking me to teach women's Bible studies. Well, Eric, that's a lot more responsibility than yeah. teaching Romeo and Juliet. You know, so I was a little nervous about that. I'm smart and I can organize a lesson, but it's the word of God we're talking about. So I remember calling a friend and said, would you tell me what the scripture passage means? She comes over, this is back in the day, with three, you know, three or four concordances, big concordance books, big books. And um, because she and her husband owned the Christian bookstore, so she had oh, wow. all this stuff. And so I said, you know, Lori, her name is Lori. I said, uh, we should go on the road. You could study. I'll speak because she used to throw up when she had to teach, you know, but I like to teach, but I wasn't sure yeah. what I was teaching. So we, she started mentoring me. I was probably two or three years into marriage. And so she's still my mentor. She's only a few years older, but oh my gosh, what a blessing she's been to me all these many years. So I was able to start teaching women's Bible study in between babies. I had three kids. Yeah. And then I started getting asked to speak at retreats. And then I opened a website so that people could find me. And then I started writing books because you don't always get asked to speak, but you can still put your material in writing. Yep. And then I decided, decided, well, you know my story about how I started podcasting. So that's been going on about a year and a half. Yes. Okay. So podcasting guys, I haven't actually mentioned it on this show, but I started a second podcast called <laughs> the Christian podcaster and Sue's been on there. So go, go check that out. You can go to christianpodcaster.me if you want to check that out. Maybe you want to be a podcaster, mm. listen to that show and you'll, you'll learn a few things. Um, okay. Yes. So you, so you get into all of that kind of thing. I'm really curious because I know that you mentioned, you mentioned earlier and you've written books about this, about having meaningful conversations and about hospitality. Mm -hmm. And you have this really interesting, I'm going to call it a habit of, of kind of <laughs> getting people together and then giving them 
these kind of uh, like uh, conversation prompts, right? To mm-hmm. to really uh, develop a great conversation, which I think is so cool. It's more of what we need as a fellow ENFP. I think I resonate with that. Like I don't want to have a junk conversation. I want to have a, a meaningful conversation, right? right? right. It's boring. Yeah, it's boring. it resonates right. with me. So right. why that? And then and how did you discover it? And and how how do you help people do those kinds of things? We almost need a whole nother thing. So I'll talk fast. Okay. Uh, It started with a few friends who just needed comfort. And so they would come over and our, you know, we were friends. We're encouraging each other. So I'm a lot younger than myself. Like one had just bought a business. So we were kind of helping our mentoring through that, but then more women wanted to join when they heard about it. And so then I would say, uh, okay, everybody introduce yourself. But also after that, why don't you answer the question? What has brought you joy this past year? Well, see, that's kind of a deeper question than where did you take your kid for childcare? Right. You know, and um, I learned this also actually earlier on before that, where I'd have coffees and I love to have people in who don't know Jesus and those who do know Jesus, and then ask a mild question where the people who do know Jesus will bring him into the conversation and others still don't feel awkward about it. Like, oh, I wish I hadn't come. You know, instead they say things like this afterwards. I always feel good coming to your house. And I thought, hmm, mm. that's the Holy Spirit. It's not the cinnamon cake, you know? It's the Holy Spirit. Well, so okay, I, hold on. I'm well, going to- cake I'm, helps. It, well, the cake doesn't hurt. The food always helps. <laughs> I And the Holy Spirit, of course, I, I, I'll grant that. But it's also you, right? There's something about your way of kind of bringing people together and making them feel seen that makes people feel welcome. Well, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, it's you, a it's a gift from God that I thoroughly enjoy. Absolutely, absolutely. But He's given it to you, and it's it's you making them feel seen. So, okay, go ahead. What? Wait, I want to tell you what happened last week because I had <laughs> I haven't had people over very much because my kids get mad at me. So last week, I don't know if it's okay to say, but I yeah. do wine nights, and yeah. uh, and my mother wouldn't approve, but she's in heaven we, drinking the real stuff is what my mother's my sister says. <laughs> I love that. So anyway, I invited about 35 women and had them choose two different nights from which to choose. And not everybody could make it. That's good because I felt a little overwhelmed inviting so many. But people wanted to get out. They wanted to come over. They have fun. It's not like a crazy party. We're old. I'm 68, almost 69. So they, um, I had 11 each night and we did it outside. And most of the women did not know each other. And often when I do like a big thing, like a Thanksgiving or Christmas Eve, I'll do name tags, but I didn't think we needed it for just 11 women. And they come in and they're so happy to be there. And I just introduce them to each other. I like the networking part. Like I'll say, Lisa, did you know that Lori has homeschooled all five of her kids now? I know you have started a charter school now. And then they just start talking, you know? Yeah. So, um, But when we all sat down, Eric, it was so much fun. And I had them each introduce who they were and what they like to do. And some were single, you know, and most were married, all different ages. I would say from 29 to me. And I just said, and after you say who you are, whatever you want to share, I want you to answer two questions. The first question is, if you could go on a road trip anywhere, where would you go? And who would you go with? Who would be in the car with you? So the first gal just goes... I think I would go up the coast of California into Washington and Taylor Swift would be next. 
And I thought, well, that was hilarious. It was such a funny way to start it. She's a strong Christian, but that's what she said. And it was just set the tone. But people were almost in tears talking about I would my mother died uh 10 years ago today, and I would have oh, wow. her with me. You know, things like that. My grandfather, who I never met, or Oprah Winfrey, <laughs> you know, all let me tell you, these people are from all different backgrounds. I have so yeah. um so that was cool. But the second question was, what brave thing did you do this past year? And that was a really fun question. But I prayed about the questions because I've done this so many, I've been doing this three or four years. And I know that the question can set the tone. And I don't want it to be too scary for the non-believer, but I want it to be deeper than what we've said. Uh, last year, I remember I asked, um, what have you learned this past year during COVID, I think? Or what surprised you? What strength did you find? So that was fun. Yeah. Another time I asked, who are you becoming? Who are you? you know, I asked that. The first question I said, who did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, it was hilarious. And then the second question was, who do you want to become this year? And two women were going through terrible divorces and were saying, and they said, I don't know who I am. And right after that, one came to me and said, this was, it was her first time. I met her at the gym. So I just invited her. And I said, uh, she said, this was really good. And I said, well, I find that women are lonely. I didn't even know her last name. Wow. I said, I find that women are lonely. I thought I would, you know, go one step further. And she said, I'm lonely. And Eric, we meet now almost yeah. every week for walking and coffee. And it's huge, all because of that. She told me about how she felt about different political views that are different than mine. And then she walked up to me later and she goes, can we still be friends? I go, of course we can still be friends. Yes. Of course we can still be friends. So to me, it's an honor to host a mixed group. I don't give the gospel unless someone asks. But last Tuesday night, my niece came down. She's a strong, strong Christian. And she said something in her answer that my next door neighbor liked. And the next day they got together with their kids while I slept. And this neighbor of mine <clears throat> said some really interesting questions based on what my niece said. And then she just said to my niece, well, what does it mean to be saved? And I go, what did you say, Nicole? <laughs> and she said, I gave her the Romans road without telling her it was the Romans road. And I said, well, that's why you came to wine night. She goes, I there you go. I love that you're facilitating those conversations. And it's not, um, it's not like a, you know, brow beating Bible beating kind of thing, right? It's right. It's let's just have the conversation and let's just be together. And Jesus will come up eventually. Like if he, he always does. People are curious. You made a great observation. I think women are lonely. I think loneliness might be the world's biggest problem mm -hmm. and nobody, well, maybe some people are dealing with it. Right. But like that's, there's all these things that we do to solve the loneliness problem. Uh, but really only, only Jesus, worse. only G, right. Only Jesus and mm -hmm. real community can actually mm -hmm. address it. So mm -hmm. I applaud you for doing that. You bet you are a writer and you have some of these things. So friends, if you like, if you want one of these great questions, right, to ask at your next dinner party, because someday you're going to have one again, right? Okay. Maybe a barbecue in the backyard this summer or something. Totally. You need to get Sue's book because you came up with a book, right, of mm -hmm. of conversation yeah. starters. What is that called? 
Well, there's two. You can get a printable version. Some people like the printable, you know, it's a it's like seven bucks and it's 200 and 225 conversation starters. Say something special. And you can get that on my website, welcomeheart.com. And the cool thing about the printable one, you know, when you print something off eight and a half by 11, my brother did this. He printed them off because his wife's an introvert and they were having strangers for Thanksgiving. And so he printed off a few pages and then cut this. They're in slats, slats, slits, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you call them. Anyway, he put them in a basket and then the, the newcomers would just pick a question and they answered, you know, a different question. So that was a different way of doing it. But I did find when I speak, women like to carry something home from the event. So then I had it reprinted also into a book and you can get that on Amazon. Say something special, 252, I added 50 questions, 252 <laughs> conversation starters, uh, stimulating, blah, blah, blah. Ultimate guide to stimulating table talk. Yes. It's a long title, but you know, it's a short book. Yes. And it's really, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. So you could get something like that. You also have a book, you have a Bible study about hospitality. Is that right? Yes. And it's all about God's hospitality to us because mm. when we respond to him and come to his table, that gives us the wherewithal. It gives us the motivation. It gives us the affirmation, the confirmation so that we open our homes for people to come to our table. So some people think, oh, it's a hospitality book, a Bible study about hospitality. No, the very end of each chapter gives a recipe and a little tiny hospitality assignment. But the main thing is you study who God is. And when you study who God is, you can't help but overflow and opening your home. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. Last thing I want to say, you mentioned it. Welcome Heart is your is your website. Is that welcomeheart.com, right? Is mm-hmm. that, um, where'd you come up with Welcome Heart? Where, like, why was it that? The first time I was asked to do a women's retreat 26 years ago. The church that asked me, the lady that asked me said, Sue, we don't care what the theme is, but we want you to give one of the four talks on hospitality because she'd heard one of my workshops at my church. Uh She was from a different church. And I thought, okay, so I can speak on hospitality, but that to me wasn't for a whole retreat. So I thought, let's talk about, so I have a retreat series, my very first one. I have eight retreat series, but the first one is called The Welcoming Heart of God. And so Mm -hmm. I just go through about how God welcomes us. And um, intimacy with him, resting with him. And then the last one is how we then open our own homes for uh, people to get to know us, get to know God. Because I say, at least I've experienced that women, men and women, if you invite them to church, they may or may not come. But if you invite them for a barbecue, especially if you're making your ribs, Eric, they will come. They will come. They will come. That, That is a step. Maybe they won't come to church for two or three years. Right. But I had the next, the next door neighbors who used to live here. We invited them for Christmas Eve. We invite them for all these things. And then one day out of the blue, I go, Michelle, do you want to come to church with us? We do a movie series in the summer. It is so cool. Our church is called Grace Church and it's called Real Grace, R-E-E-L. And the pastor and the staff choose three or four contemporary movies only from the year before that has good language in it, which is getting more and more difficult. <laughs> but he just calls it gospel shadows in contemporary yes. movies. And she loves movies. So I said, Michelle, you want to come? Oh, sure. Well, she came every week. Yeah. But it's been years of her coming to our house. So you start there. Start there. Absolutely. I love that. The welcoming heart of God. What if, what if we just share our lives with people before we share the gospel with them? I think maybe we all could change the world. I feel like maybe the church has done that a few hundred times over the millennia. So 
I love it. Sue, that's great. So again, welcomeheart.com is where people can find you. I, we didn't mention your podcast, The Living a Legacy Life. Uh, well, I guess we did at the beginning. It's called Make It Count. Oh, Make It Count. Sorry, Living a Legacy Just Life so, is the it's, subtitle. It's own app, Make It Count Legacy. There you go. You can get that, friends. Go flip over in your podcast app. And if you want to hear more from Sue, you can get that. Also at HalfwayTherePodcast.com, I've got links to everything, including the books that we mentioned and Sue's website there as well. Sue, thanks so much for being here. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Yeah, don't be afraid to open your door. And I don't mean germs. I mean, there are seven. when I speak on it, I speak, I list 17 reasons why we are not hospitable. And most of them have to do with pride. So it's a hard work if you can't open the door. That's a little preachy, but I'm old. I'll tell you what to do. It's 100% true, though. I love it. Sue, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.